Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, church. So good to be here. Last week, uh, Pastor Edmund Wong uh, shared a sermon on Before the King, where we are to use our God-endowed gifts and keep our God-appointed stations. Remember that? I hope we do. You know, when I heard his impactful sermon, a mini-crisis loomed for me because he went into the text this week. And he shared some material which I had already prepared in my sermon. Anyway, he knows I'm going to say this because he's not here to defend himself. He's on sabbatical. <laughs> well, um, as you probably know by now, uh, the topic for this week is when crisis looms. Before I begin, can I invite us to just pause and reflect for a moment? When was the last time a crisis loomed for you? Perhaps, for some of us, a crisis is looming for us right now. Perhaps you have an assessment or exam to sit for that you don't have time to prepare. Perhaps you have been landed a huge project beyond what you and your team can deliver and failure would mean disaster for you or your firm. Or you have been given an impossible sales target where failure would mean a job fire. Or you're praying for the spiritual salvation or physical healing of a loved family member or friend. Or for some of us, you could be praying for a loved family member or friend who has strayed and is in a deep darkness. Brothers and sisters, Whatever your crisis is, the Word of God can enlighten and empower us. As Jesus has said, if you abide in my Word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your ever-timeless, yet always timely Word. May it speak to our hearts this morning, stir us to conviction and obedience, that it might set us free. In Jesus' name we pray, and let all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. This morning our text is taken from Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. Recall how the book of Daniel begins in chapter 1, that God had given Judah into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, who besieged Jerusalem around 605 BC. Daniel and his friends were among the captives then taken into exile in Babylon, and specially chosen to train for three years in order that they might serve in the king's court. In our text this morning, we see a crisis looming for each of the three parties, therein being King Nebuchadnezzar, who had a troubling dream, the Chaldeans, who had an impossible deliverable, and Daniel and his three friends, who had an impending death sentence. What was each of their respective crises? Let us explore this more together. For King Nebuchadnezzar, his looming crisis was a dream that troubled him. 
The king plainly declares this to his wise men in Daniel chapter 2, verse 3, saying, I had a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. How many of us have had troubled dreams before? Raise your hands. Yes, I see many hands. Not unexpected. According to WebMD, some experts believe that we dream at least four to six times a night, with each dream lasting a few minutes to over 30 minutes during our REM sleep stage. Most dreams, however, are forgotten, yet it's often the troubling ones that we remember, isn't it? And this can be very unsettling. That King Nebuchadnezzar was troubled by his dream is understandable for several reasons. Firstly, in the ancient world, dreams were seen as a key means of insight into the future. Babylonian religion especially encourages one to seek signs or warnings of significant events and calamities about to happen either through dreams or unusual life events. The success of a king and the welfare of his kingdom often depended on the correct interpretation of such dreams and events. Hence, it is not surprising that God, who is sovereign, chooses to speak to this king through a key Babylonian future forecast news channel at that time. Secondly, in Daniel chapter 2, verses 29 to 45, God reveals to Daniel Nebuchadnezzar's dream and its interpretation. Here, the king's dream is about a great mighty image being shattered and scattered into pieces by a stone. Perhaps the king had an inkling that the dream had something to do with himself or his kingdom. Hence, it is no surprise that Nebuchadnezzar gathered his wise men, comprising the magicians, enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, literally his dream team, to consult them regarding his troubling dream. We refer to these men as the wise men as per Daniel chapter 2, verse 12. Thirdly, Daniel chapter 2, part 1b, provides further hints of why such a dream could cause Nebuchadnezzar to be so troubled. This verse reads, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Here we notice that dreams is in the plural. In the Hebrew language, it is possible that this plural means that his dreams were multiple visions or different parts of the same dream he had in verse 3. If so, we can imagine how troubling it must be for the king. Here, this verse also highlights another thing about Nebuchadnezzar. He was suffering from insomnia. In a 2021 global survey, 57% of Singaporeans reported that they do not sleep well. Of these 57% who have trouble sleeping, 58% was due to worry and stress over work and finances, with 30% over family and health concerns. There are many postulated causes of insomnia, such as stress and anxiety, poor sleeping environment, lifestyle factors, mental and physical health conditions such as apnea. My friends, if you have insomnia, seek God and godly counsel, but please also see a doctor. 
Research also suggests that the blue light emitted from our smart devices affects our ability to sleep. So instead of looking at your de devices just before bedtime, you might want to listen to a devotion, rehearse your scripture memory, or just read a physical Bible and pray. You will sleep better. Another secret to sleeping well is to keep experiencing God's love because Psalm 127 verse 2 reminds us God gives to sleep to his beloved. Now, for Nebuchadnezzar, what accounted for his insomnia? We can only guess. Perhaps it was the stress of his battles. We do know that he fought a major battle against the remnant of Assyrian forces with their Egyptian allies at the Battle of Carchemish near the border of Turkey in 605 BC. Such battles must be stressful. Or perhaps it was his insecurities, hinted at in Daniel chapter 2, verse 9, where he accuses his wise men of having agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before him till the times change. Also hinted perhaps in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, where he builds a very odd-looking 90 feet high and 9 feet wide statue likely to represent himself when the normal proportion of a human is more like five to six feet to one feet. So for King Nebuchadnezzar, his troubling dream was his looming crisis as he likely sensed that it had something to do with the future of his empire. And this dream made him so anxious he had trouble sleeping. Now for the king's wise men, what was their looming crisis? Their looming crisis was to face a king who demanded an impossible deliverable. This was unprecedented, as they are now demanded to first tell the king his dream and then to interpret it. We will explore more of this later in the sermon. What about Daniel and his three friends? Well, their looming crisis was an impending death sentence. We see this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 13, where it records for us, the king's decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Here are therefore three looming crises for three different parties in Daniel chapter 2. For Nebuchadnezzar, a troubling dream. For the Chaldeans, an impossible deliverable and for Daniel and his three friends, an impending death sentence. Now let us explore the different responses of each of these parties in facing their respective looming crises. The first response is from King Nebuchadnezzar. Here in Daniel chapter 2, verse 2, we see him demanding answers and relying on his best resources to provide them. This verse reads, Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. Here, the king's wise men were his best resources. Yet no matter how hard he pressed them, they could not deliver the answers he was looking for. Second, in his quest, or perhaps paranoia, to have double confirmed answers, the king changes the rules of engagement with his wise men. You see, usually the king should tell them his dream 
and then his experts will give them an interpretation. But here, the king's demands that they first tell him what his dream was and then tell him the interpretation. He demands this five times in Daniel chapter 2, verses 2, 5, 6, and 9. He was adamant about his demand. Why did the king change the rules? It is likely because he either distrusted his wise men or he was desperate for a divine interpretation of his dream. We see this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 9, where he says to the wise men, Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. Third, in Daniel chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, he now threatens serious consequences of death and destruction if the wise men fail to deliver. And of course, he also promises great rewards if they do. As per last week's sermon, such threats from this king are no joke. Babylonians are brutal with their wreck torture methods and cruel as seen in how the king slaughtered the officials and sons of King Zedekiah before his eyes and then gorged them out to inflict him to live with this trauma for the rest of his life. Fourth, the king accuses them of conspiracy and corruption. This could well be his paranoia or his perception, yet his purpose was to put them on notice that he saw through their tactics. We see this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 9, where he says to the Chaldeans, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Fifth, the king loses his temper and shows his anger. He now orders their execution to exert the highest pressure on them to deliver on his demands. We see this in Daniel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, which reads, Because of this, the king was angry and very furious, commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. In short, this king did all these things because he was demanding answers. My friends, often when we are in a crisis, we are desperate and we demand answers through changing rules, issuing threats, rewards, accusations, and showing anger as the king did. I have often seen such responses, especially those in crisis situations where there is betrayal and disappointment. We demand answers by any means, as King Nebuchadnezzar did. Here, we see when the king's best resources prove useless, he gets furious and even murderous. Here, the king has reached his point of helplessness. My friends, when crisis looms, we can desperately demand answers as Nebuchadnezzar did. Or we can instead try what the Chaldeans did, which is to try clever maneuvers. You see, initially the Chaldeans were very confident about their expertise and training when they declared to the king in Daniel chapter 2, verse 4, saying, Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. Here is where the Aramaic section of Daniel begins until chapter 7. 
Now, why were the Chaldeans so confident? Well, it's because they had been trained in the mantic arts and had access to all these dream manuals documenting historical dreams and their aftermath, where they can then use to explain the significance of the dream to the king and decode the various dream symbols. Brothers and sisters, by all means be trained in your craft and use your training, but let your ultimate reliance be on the Lord. There are times when your training cannot help you. And if you keep persist in relying on them, they have become your gods. When King Nebuchadnezzar changed the rules and demanded something beyond what their training could deliver, they were shocked. Hence, they said to the king a second time in Daniel chapter 2, verse 7, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show him the interpretation. Yet, when it finally dawned on them that the king was serious, they tried two key maneuvers. The first was to delay to buy time. The king, however, saw through this maneuver when he said to them, I know with certainty you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. The second maneuver was to argue with reason. Here in Daniel chapter 2, verse 10, they said to the king, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. As expected, their tactics only infuriated the king, as it may well have both increased his anxiety and painted him a madman, unreasonably demanding an impossibility. Friends, maneuvers, we have all tried them when we are in a crisis. Buy time, pass the buck, shift the blame, argue out. Oftentimes, these maneuvers only get us into greater danger. Yet the greatest irony for the wise men in this case, what they actually spoke a most profound truth in their arguing with reason. The truth that they declared is this, that only God can deliver what the king was demanding. Yes, and this would be the God of Daniel and his three friends. Had the wise men of Nebuchadnezzar embraced this truth, they might have well repented and do what Daniel did, which is the third response to a looming crisis found in our text this morning. And the third response is what we see in Daniel. Daniel responded by radically trusting that God will deliver. We see this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 16, where it's recorded. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. My friends, Daniel's trust was a radical trust because at this point, Daniel did not know the dream or its interpretation. Yet, it was not the first time Daniel had trusted his God. If we recall Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel had already trusted God to deliver on his resolve not to defile himself with the king's food or wine. Now, from how Daniel responded here, we can learn three practical lessons 
on what it means to have this kind of radical trust in God. First, trusting God radically when crisis looms doesn't mean we don't ask helpful questions. When Ariok seeks to kill Daniel and his friends, Daniel, it is said, with prudence and discretion, asks the question, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Through this question, he learns the circumstances behind the crisis. This is wise. My friends always seek first to understand the problem before rushing into the solution. Here we note that Daniel was not even among the wise men initially summoned to meet the king. Second is to create alliances. Here we see how Daniel leverages his conversation with Ariok and uses him to seek for an audience with the king. Here, Daniel turns his greatest enemy into a most important ally. Thirdly, when he met the king, he requested for a time extension, but he promised to deliver on what the king demanded. Now, think with me for a while. Daniel asked for time, and his request was granted. But isn't this what the Chaldeans also requested for? Why then did the king show favour to Daniel and shouted his fury to the Chaldeans? Scripture is silent. My humble speculation, it could be that the king saw in this young man an earnest and quiet confidence in his promise to deliver to the king what he was demanding. Fourth, Daniel prayed in desperation. I won't steal next week's sermon, so you can tune in. Did God deliver Daniel and his three friends in this situation? We all know, as the story unfolds, that God did. My friends, in preparing for this sermon, I remember a godly friend who had a personal crisis looming in his life. It related to his child, who went into a very rebellious few years with respect to his Christian upbringing, his moral values, and his respect for his parents. My friend was at a loss and a deep pain. He felt helpless and was desperate for answers regarding what happened, what to do, and how to handle the situation. Many of us who are parents has been through some similar journey like this. We ask why. Was it something we did or didn't do? Why has this happened? I recall a couple once coming to me and said, Pastor, we have served the church so faithfully. Why is this happening? In a contract confession, this friend shared with me how he had done all that Nebuchadnezzar did. He used his parental powers and rage. He changed the rules of engagement. He threatened. He even executed consequences in a desperate attempt to exact the compliance he wanted from his child, but to no avail. The child, as he grew up, only grew further away from him and his wife, and also the faith. He and his wife cried many tears, prayed many desperate prayers, yet nothing seemed to change for a while. In fact, there were times the more they prayed, the worse the situation seemed to get. Finally, one day, God spoke this, release your child to me and pray hard. 
In other words, trust in God to deliver them and their child from the situation. With great struggling and wrestling, they finally did. My friends, it was frightening for them to do so. It's so much easier to rest on our usual power levers than to trust in God who delivers. Brothers and sisters, when crisis looms, do we rely on our resources and demand answers as Nebuchadnezzar did? Or do we attempt clever maneuvers like the Chaldeans? There's always the better option. It is trusting in God who delivers, as Daniel did. Did God deliver this friend? It's been years. There were sunshine moments of hope and progress. Yet sometimes there were cloudy times of doubt and discouragement. But one thing they have done, they have stopped demanding answers and trying maneuvers. They are pressing on to trust that God delivers. A key assurance in our text today might be this, that the God who delivered Judah into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar due to her sinfulness, as the book of Daniel begins, is that same God who can deliver his people out of the king's hand when his people trust in him. Let us pray. There are some of us here who are in a looming crisis. It could be a broken marriage, a rebellious teenager, an unsafe family member, an impossible work situation. Or it could be an impending job loss or a very bad health situation. Brothers and sisters, would we once again renew our trust in God who delivers? If this is your situation this morning, with all eyes closed, can I invite you to raise your hand? Thank you, I see some hands that are raised. Please, you're raising them to the Lord. Lord, you see these hands that are raised. They're expressing, they want to trust in you again. The God who delivers. Lord, hear their prayers. Hear their heart cries. Grant them a renewed faith and strength to trust in you. Trust in you to see them through the crisis that is looming for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, Please remain in the spirit of prayer. In our text today, we see how the king's wise men faced the looming crisis of death. But there is also a crisis of death today. And it is that spiritual crisis of eternal death for those who are separated from God due to our sinfulness. And just as God delivered the king's wise men through his chosen servant Daniel, the Word of God tells us that God also wants to deliver us from this eternal death by sending His Son Jesus 
that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish, but have eternal life. There may be some of us here, some guests who have yet to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Saviour. If the Word of God has stirred your heart this morning, and it's your desire to be reconciled to be God, to be delivered from such a spiritual crisis, please say this prayer with me. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm separated from you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Saviour and believe that I will no longer perish but have eternal life in you. If this prayer resonates with you with all eyes closed, can you raise your hand? Anyone? Father, thank you for those who are of us who have believed in you. We celebrate our deliverance from our eternal death. And for those of us who have renewed our trust in you as the God who delivers, may you answer our prayers. Brothers and sisters, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us arise as we respond to God in this worship song. Thank you. spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.